Man, that gets me excited, doesn't it? Isn't that awesome? I love it. How many of you could, um, would be willing to say you can re- relate with Nick? That would kind of make you shake in your boots a little bit. You know, um, whenever, I, whenever I go to, I, I work out, um, I do this thing called Orange Theory Fitness. And they have this thing called an all-out. Um, an all-out, so you've got your base pace where, you know, you're, you're just running along, you know, for me, it's like 6.5 miles per hour or something. It's just a comfortable little run. And then they got this thing called the push pace. And the push pace is, you know, where now this is painful, right? And so for me, that's right now about 8 miles per hour. And then they have something that they call an all-out. And an all-out is where, you know, you look who's on your left or right. And you try to impress them and make them think you can do more than you can do. Uh, that was a... <laughs> okay, now I'm getting real. No, what it is... <laughs> No, what it is, is you, you, you jack the, the, uh, the speed up as high as you can get it, as high as you can possibly run for 30 seconds. And uh, the coaches, I love what they say when you're doing that all out. And it is extremely painful. Like, I'll try to push 10, 11, 12 miles an hour. And you think that you can't do it. And what the coaches will say is, you can do anything for 30 seconds. You can do anything. And that's just the world. And that's just physical. And so I want to remind you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And that his power is made perfect in your weakness. And you can do exceedingly and abundantly over all that you ask, think, or can even imagine. And so I I want to just thank our missions team for going out and doing that. I think it's awesome. And I just want to encourage you all. Just, man, you know what? What's the worst can happen if you share Jesus with somebody? Worst thing that can happen, they'll say no, not interested. They might even persecute you a little bit. But man, think of the upside. Even if it's just that seed planted, how God may use that to transform somebody's life. Amen? Amen. I'm excited. Every week we see more and more college students coming to Journey. And we have plans to uh, get out on that campus. I was talking to Alex about it the other day. And Alex is just pumped up about it, man. Just, he's got all sorts of plans cracking in his mind. He, Get out there to Illinois State and Illinois Wesley. And so, uh, let God use us. Amen? Amen. Use us. All right. Well, we are in the final week um, talking about, um, about uh, forgotten virtues. And today we're talking about the virtue of purity. And um, before, by the way, I go on, I do want to say congratulations to Sean and Damaris on the birth of their baby, James Elias, or Elias James. Which one is it? Is it James Elias? E- Eli- Elias James. I, I knew I was going to get that name wrong. <laughs> I've got a good buddy named Elias. I, Damaris, you are like woman of the century. Uh, um, if, I, if I had a baby, I'd be in the hospital for a month, all right? <laughs> and, I would, and then I'd still, and I'd, be, I'd ask to be on home care for six months after that. So I'm just amazed. But what a cute little baby boy. And just so excited for you guys. Um, Baby number two, and love watching you guys. Awesome, awesome parents. So um, here's the deal with purity. Um, there, there's a couple ways you can slice this, um, any talk on the forgotten virtue of purity. You can really hammer it and just, you know, um, men, we've talked very boldly and bluntly to you before about purity. Um, ladies, not as much on a Sunday morning. Um, some, for some reason, guys get hammered on it a little bit more than ladies, probably because I'm a guy and I do that. Um, I don't want to do that as much this morning. But I want to talk to you more about the mission 
of purity in our life. Now, I remember a story. Um, uh, Nancy, this is the first, um, second missions trip that I ever went on. Um, I went to Mexico. Nancy was there with me. And I remember uh, we were way down on the Baja Peninsula. So if you, if you see California, the Baja Peninsula is that long sliver of land that seems to be separated from Mexico just off to the left of it if you're looking at a map. And it goes a couple thousand miles down, and it's just coastal on both sides. And we were out in the middle of nowhere. And it was 1230 at night. We're in, in the middle. Uh, we've got these young teenage boys that we were, you know, they all got hungry. And we were in the middle of nowhere. And there was only two places to eat in this little, it wasn't even a town. It was just a dusty little settlement. But yet they had these two taco stands that you could go to that were open all night long. And I remember um, our, we, you know, we, our interpreter wasn't around at that moment. He was probably sleeping, which good interpreters do at 12.30 in the morning on a missions trip. And some of the guys were so hungry, they said, let's just go out and get tacos. And so we went out onto this dusty street, and they, these taco stands were about, I don't know, maybe 200 feet apart. And um, I, I went and looked at the one, and um, I said, can I, can I see one of the tacos? And he shows me the taco, and it looked pretty good. And then I went to the other stand, and, and the tacos didn't look quite as good, but I, there's, I'm, I'm going to spiritualize something that probably isn't spiritual, but for some reason I just thought, man, those tacos over there look too good. It's like they tried really hard to make them look good. We're in, in a dust bowl in the middle of nowhere. Why did you make that taco look so good? So wisely, as a pastor, I said, let's just go ahead and eat the tacos from the unknown stand in the middle of nowhere at 1230 at night. And a foreign country, and, you know, we should all be fine tomorrow morning, right? And so, that's right, that's right. That's, those were my early years of pastoring. So, um, so we bought those tacos, and, um, and, and the kids asked me, which tacos should we get? And I said, we get, I'm really baking this. There's really not a big payoff in this story. I'm making it way too long. But we, uh, our, our, while we're doing this, I think our interpreter, Jesus, must have appeared to him. And, he, and, and so he comes bolting out of the, the place that we were staying and running down the, down the road. And we're about to eat our tacos. And he stops and he says, uh, he, says our, uh, he asks a few questions. And he said, okay, you can eat the tacos. So we're eating the tacos. And then we notice that Robert, one of the guys on our team, is not at our stand, but he's about 200 feet away. And he's about to take his first bite of the taco and all my interpreter can say is, no, like that at the top of his lungs. And the, the other guy starts yelling at the top of his lung, pero, pero, pero. Does anyone know Spanish? Dog, right? And so he ate the taco. And when he found out what it was, it didn't have enough time to get into his system. It prom- came out rather quickly in a way that he wouldn't have wanted it to, all right? Jason, why are you saying this on a Sunday morning, making us endure this? Because sometimes things that look so good are really, really bad for us. And there's this whole thing about purity, right? Is that we can justify in ourselves why we make decisions that we make. So for this guy, he knew we were all at the other taco stand, and he knew that he probably shouldn't be down there. But when I asked him, I said, Robert, why'd you eat the taco? The guy said, don't eat the tacos. He goes, it just looked so good. And that's the enticement. That's the enticement of things that 
that just aren't pure. They, sometimes they look so good. But here's what's beautiful about purity. And this is what I want to tie us to. And this is a very simple message this morning. Purity is related to holiness. Purity is related to how close we can get to God. You know what the Bible says? I love this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, saw, for they shall what? See God. I don't know about you. I want, I want to see, see God. See God. See God do what? See him. See who he is. See him in my life. See him do things in my life. See him do things in other people's lives. See him show up in my job. See him show up in my provision. Show him see up in my see him show up in my marriage or with my children or if you're single and you want to get married see him show up with a spouse whatever it is I want to see God show up in my life and and God says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God I think it's the reason why David prayed and David prayed this and he was so earnest about it he said create in me a clean heart a pure heart oh God and renew A right spirit within me. Do you see the simple connection there? Create in me. So David knew that truth. He knew that if there's if there's a if I have purity in my heart, a cleanness in my heart, I'm pursuing it, purity. That that there's going to be a better and more steadfast spirit. Things will be more right inside. You know, when I took my kids out, um, three I took my three boys, and Nina took or Nancy took Nina and. She'll take CC soon. We do a purity weekend, Passport to Purity. Um, thanks, Ray Sanders, who introduced me to that when our children were young. It's a purity weekend where you talk to your kids. How many have done that with, something like that with your kids? A lot of you. There's an illustration that you do where you take this picture of, of pristine, pure water. And, and you ask your son or daughter, whoever you're doing it with, would you, like a, would you drink this water? And they say, oh, yeah, I drink that water. In fact, you, you try and get them thirsty before you do it, right? And you want to give them them a drink of that water. And then you have this one little dropper, a little eyedropper. And you say, you know what's in this eyedropper? Toilet water. And then you take one drop, just one, and you put it in that pitcher of water. Now, how many of you would say, I ain't drinking that water? But, But it looks the same. It's just the same. But the, the whole idea is this, is that if we even let a little bit in, it can begin to taint what God wants to do in our lives. And so I want to talk to you ever so briefly this morning about pursuing a mission of purity in your life, a, for, a forgotten virtue. And, and guys, here's the reality of it. Um, purity is under more attack than ever. I read a sermon that someone wrote like 20 years ago. And, and they were talking about how you can't hardly pick up a book anymore, or you can't, you know, see a billboard anymore, and how it's harder than ever to, to keep your mind pure because of some of the periodicals, you know. This is pre-internet. Now, post that 20 years later, the internet, you, you can't even go to, you know, in Instagram, you're, you're, you're one keyword away from pornographic images, you know, innocently, you go on social media or whatever, and there's soft porn images just right there. It's just, it's just, it's prevalent. Here's a, here's a truth. I found this out a couple of years ago, that if, um, that if men, if Christian men, so men who identify as Christians, 
if men who identify with, as Christians, men just take this, and again, I'm not hammering you this morning, okay, but I, I'm, I will share a few bits of truth. In this size room, there are Christian men that are in pornography. Right now, today, there are people in this room, men that are in pornography, and there are women in this room that are in pornography. If just the men that are Christian stopped using pornography, it would cripple, statistical fact, it would cripple the pornographic industry financially so bad that it would be at risk of shutting down. Because it's all about profit. That's just if the Christian men stopped. And so you, you see how this is. It, but, but we are so pulled into it. But I, wanna, I want you to think, um, especially in our American U.S. culture, we have this standard of comparing ourselves against others. Well, I, I'm pure compared to that guy. Because I'm not into that deep porn. I'm just into this simple porn. Or I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I only do it a, a little bit. And... and and we've got this whole concept of comparing ourselves against others. But when we perf- what God says is don't compare yourself against others, but compare yourself against my standard. The way that Isaiah did. I love what Isaiah said. Isaiah said this. He said, woe to me. He was really inside of himself mortified. He said, woe to me when he realized his impurity. And here's the thing. Isaiah was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. But he said, woe to me about the impurity in his life because he said, I am, man, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And so what I want us to realize is to really walk out this life, to really walk it out well, we need to make a decision that God, I am going to live my life on a, on a mission to avoid those contaminants. And certainly not to pursue them. The, what we would call the pollutants of spiritual impurity. Almost God, like, like a, I know the big thing nowadays is, um, especially now with coronavirus and influenza A, and how many have had like 8,000, you've had Ebola in your house. I mean, it's been crazy this year. You know, it's, some of you are like, where, where'd that, you've, had, you've been sicker than normal in your home. A lot of people. And so the hand sanitizers and, and in a way, um, what God wants to do is say, I want you to take the word of God into your life. I want you to have the word of God so, so full in your life that, that you stay clean of contaminants. I love some of the scriptures on purity. Psalm 119.9 says this, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to what? You're, that you're better than this person? By guarding it according to your word, God. I want to know your word so much that it leads me in, in the right way. Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. First um, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is big into this concept of, of purity. And so why have we forgotten this as a culture? Remember, I, I just have a, f- a few moments this morning. We want to give some time to our missions team. But I want you to have a, key, a few key thoughts. Why are we here as a culture? Why do we struggle so much? Why is God's standard here? Why is the gap here as Christian? Why do so many Christians deal with 
impurity, immorality. It's such a struggle for, for so many people. And I, I think it's very simple. I think it's because we have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who we are. You're created in the image of God. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the living God. Young ladies, I've got so much I could share this morning, but um, a lot of times, um, you know, ladies will say, Jason, you always speak to men about issues and things and stuff that they face, and can you, can you ever speak to women? Uh, would, you, would you speak to us about, you know, talk about men and pornography? Although statistically they say women are into po- pornography now almost as much as men because we have a hypersexualized culture that we're dealing with nowadays, and it's, it's pervasive. And when you look at the core of why do women struggle with pornography or why do women struggle sometimes in the way they dress, and I'm not here to set a standard or a code of, of how you should dress as a woman, But I do want to say this, that God has said, I want you to dress in a way that brings glory to me and doesn't cause a brother to stumble. And when uh, when a lot of the studies, they go into, well, why why do women sometimes dress in a way that's more provocative in culture, even Christian women? And, And if you talk to those women, and again, you'd be amazed at the amount of studies that there are on this, um, there is, um, the, the overriding thing that we hear from women is this, because I want to be loved. I want someone to adore me. I want to be noticed. And so we take on as ladies, and are, ladies, are you okay with me talking to you like this a little bit this morning? Um, so there's this, I want the affection. Sometimes it's because a father didn't give you the right affection. Sometimes it's because um, you're farther along in, um, in life, and you feel like, well, God, n- nobody, nobody is, is noticing me. Nobody is seeing me. And, and God says this. He says in First Peter 3, 3 through 4, and ladies, this is for you. It says, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, the wearing of gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let the hidden person of the heart, but let the hidden person of your heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. And so what he's saying to to ladies is this. He's saying, ladies, I want you, you see, I'm I'm your father and you're my bridegroom. And when I look at you, you're, you're precious. And the words gentle, quiet spirit, you know, some women aren't gentle or, or, or quiet in spirit. That's just, it doesn't mean you're boisterous or loud, but the actual Greek language means this for gentle or, or, or uh, quiet spirit. The word gentle is actually better translated as humble. It means that there's this rested spirit inside of you. And so women, sometimes there's this temptation to adorn yourself in, in a way that, that, uh, that grabs men's attention. But can I tell you this? the attention of the men that it grabs, you don't want those men. <laughs> I, have a, I have a daughter. I have two daughters. Poor Nina. Poor Cece. <laughs> Pray for them. You know, I bought these burlap bags. Um, <laughs> they're really cheap. Um, other fathers, I can tell you where I got them. You know, Nina came downstairs. That, that's Nina, or Cece and I, we went to a daddy-daughter dance. Can I tell you how many dresses and how many outfits were put on before we arrived at that one? 
And I loved it. Just every single one coming down. And I, what I, you know what I loved about Cece? She's just programmed. She came down the stairs the first time. And she goes, Dad, now I love this dress, but I feel perhaps it's too short. <laughs> and I said, you are truly a daughter of the king. <laughs> um, Nina had to pass her bathing suits and her dresses by, by, by Dad. Same principle, you know. Do they, do they make a, a painter's tarp that you could wear, you know? My whole point is this, um, um, ladies, the man that God has for you, that's not going to be what draws him in. You know, there's, it's really sweet. Um, there is a, um, I, I really need, I think some of you ladies need to know this. Every single, I wish I could look in the eye of every woman in this room right now and just tell you something. You're beautiful. See, this, this feels light, but it's not. And that comes from your Father in heaven. He says that. And, and this gentle and, and, and contrite spirit that it talks about in First Peter 3 through 4, where he says, don't... And, and I love it because he says, your adornment must not be merely the stuff you wear. So he's saying, ladies, it's good to dress and make yourself pretty and feel good about yourself. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But what he is saying is so much more is a gentle and contrite spirit, a humble spirit that walks knowing that, that no matter what you look like, you're really more interested in what you look like before God in heaven. I remember seeing a, a woman one time, and um, I don't fancy myself as a good-looking guy. I do the best I can, right? I, I regularly tell people that I, I make Nancy occasionally say, I say, Nancy, let's just tell them, what do I tell you all the time to call me? A hunk of burning love, right? <laughs> I need to hear that because my love language is words of affirmation. So, and, and then my response to that, why, yes, I am a hunk of burning love, Nancy. Thank you for recognizing that, right? But I remember seeing a lady one time, and by outward appearance, by world standards, might be a woman that you might overlook, just like me or someone else, right? You just might overlook them. But I remember talking to this young lady, And as I began to talk to her and see her spirit, I thought, this is one of the most beautiful women I've ever met. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And so purity is so much more. I want my father, this is what a woman would say, I want my father, my bridegroom, to look at me, ladies, as something precious when I live my life. I want my words to be gentle and quiet, I want to be, um, I want to have a humble, rested spirit, and I want to rest in the beauty of who I am on the inside. And yet, God, um, reflect that character on the outside. And men, I want to give you a word on this too, as well this morning, in this matter of purity. Women are not for your consumption. And this is something that I, I tell and I think I need to make this very clear, men. Um, here's a practical thing, right? Because, again, some of you are struggling in pornography today. And Pastor Bob did a good job at our Identity in Christ conference. He said there's a cyclical pattern that we go through in, in where we, we say, I, God, I, you, feel, you, commit a, you look at pornography, you go through the natural acts that come after looking at that pornography, and, and then you have this tremendous guilt, and then you make this pledge to God, I'm never going to do that again, and then you go through that whole cycle again. It's that cycle of habitual sin. 
And I want to tell you, God wants to deliver you from that. And, and one of the things that I tell men is just very, very practically. And th- these are some of the excuses I hear men say, okay? Men say, single men, uh, married men will say, my wife doesn't take care of me, and therefore I deserve this. I've heard that multiple times. Single men, I hear, God hasn't taken care of me and brought me a wife, so I deserve this. I'm just going to be straight up. Both those are from the pit of hell, okay? Here's what I tell men. Um, I, I tell men, consume those women that you see and treat women with the, the same way that you want someone to treat your daughters. Just do the same thing. Or if you don't have children, if you're single, treat them the same way that you want some other man right now to treat your sister. Or if you don't have a daughter or sister, treat them the same way you would want them to treat a woman that is precious to you or even your, your mom. It makes it real, doesn't it? It just makes it real. But that's where we've got to get to. Because by our own acts, we're giving permission for the enemy to do the same and those that are precious to us. But if we can say, God, these women are my sisters in Christ, or my mothers in Christ, or my do- they're, they're, they're my they're, they're my co-heirs, they're children of the living God, and God, help me treat them with that level of respect. And help them feel like they don't have to adorn themselves in a way to draw me in. Men, the Bible says in 1 Samuel that God looks at the outward appearance but man, or man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I, I challenge you, men. Look inside these ladies and let that drive the, the way that you react to them in purity and in life. So God wants us to live a mission, a mission of purity in our life, a mission of it. And he wants us to be like Isaiah and say, woe to me. Ephesians 1.4, let me um, reaffirm this um, real quick, and we're almost out of time this morning. Um, let me get back to this point. Why, why have we gotten away from this? Why have we gotten away from, why do we have this permissiveness and purity and permissiveness in the way we dress or permissiveness in the way that we consume things that aren't pure in, in life? And, it's, and I made the statement, it's because we've forgotten who you are. We've forgotten who we are, children of the living God. Um, if you know who you are, you'll begin to do the right things. And that's why it's so important to read scripture daily, all the time. The Bible says if you, and then not only to read it, but to do what it says. We, you always hear this over and over. Read the word. Read and pray. Read and pray. Read and pray. And you're like, ah, who's gonna, someone's going to preach that again. I know that. But yet, do we all do it? Right? When you look into the true word of God every day, it says it's, looking like, it's like looking in a mirror and showing you who you are. See, the Bible tells you and reminds you who you are. If you don't read it, you're not going to know who you are. You're going to have to listen to all the other voices that say who you are. But it also says that if you look into the perfect word of God and, and then go away and don't do what it says, it's like a man who looks in a mirror and forgets what he looks like. You see how God puts that principle in scripture? He says, you read the word and I'm going to show you who you are. And so I, here's just a real simple thought. Do you want to know who you are? Do you? Read the word. 
ingest it. Don't do it as a religious thing. Just say, God, I need to know who I am today. And don't do that one thing where we've all done it, where we say, God, I I need to know who I am today. And you flip and you ding in the Bible and you read that one verse that just says, you know, you you are a vile generation, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, I'm never going to read it again. All right. Please don't do that. All right. Read a little bit more. (laughs) All right. Everyone thinks that he's talking to me right now. Ladies, when your baby cries, you know, who, you know what to do, right? If you've got a child, even if you don't have a child. Women, you just know when you hear a baby cry, you check on that baby. When someone gets hurt, you know what to do. Why? Because you know who you are. Men, if something breaks um, or if, if something goes wrong, you know what to do. You call Ray Sanders, right? <laughs> no. Ray can fix anything, by the way. So that's usually first on my list. Secondly, I know who I am. I'm going to figure out, even if I don't know what to do it, you know, what do they say about men? Men see a problem. What do we do? We get our hammer out, right? Why is that? Because we know who we are. So when you know who you are, you know what to do. I always tell our kids, Nancy and I, my poor kids, they say, Dad, about once every you know, two weeks, you, you, you know, you just come up to us and you start giving this motivational speech. That's what, they say, we're afraid to ask you things because it'll be, well, son, let me tell you, you know. <laughs> I go on to this little motivational speech. But the thing that I, I hammer into them all the time, and Nancy does this too with our children, is, guys, seek Jesus with all your heart. First things first, above everything. I love that you get A's. I love that you did this. I love that you got that goal in soccer. I love that you tried to get a goal in soccer. Whatever it is, Nina, I love that pair of pants that you literally just two weeks ago made from painter's tarp. She came down, beautiful pants she made out of a painter's tarp. I love that you do all those things. But before all those things, this is the line. Seek Jesus with all your heart and do your best at the rest. Seek Jesus with all your heart and do the best at the rest. Josh, you can come up. First things first, Ephesians 1.4 says, Christ chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So I ask you today, I could, I could hammer, we could talk all about the areas you need to be pure and all this kind of stuff, we just don't have time. But who are you? Do you know who you are? You're a son or daughter of the living God. And I believe today there are those of you that need a revelation again in your life about who you are. Because once you begin to know who you are, you'll begin to do the things that reflect who you are. And we need a new set of eyes to see that I belong to Christ Jesus as a son of the living God. Can you put that statement up on the screen, Sarah? We learned this at the Identity in Christ conference. Everyone stand up. We were challenged to memorize this, Pastor Bob, when he spoke. If you have the best day of your life, this is, what, this is Pastor Bob stuff. If you have the very best day of your life, you succeed in everything, you win the lottery, everyone affirms you, they say you did great today, you had an amazing, you have the best day of your life. One of the best things to pray is, is this and to speak it. I am pardoned of all my sins. And read this with me, and accept it as righteous in his sight, but only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to me and received by faith alone. If the world comes to you another day 
and you have the worst day of your life and you get beat up and you sin and that habitual sin that you keep on cycling through because you've forgotten who you are, you don't know who you are and you do it over and over and over again and you fall and you get fired or you get demoted, your boss says you're lousy, your roommate moves out on you, everything goes wrong. Here's the truth about you. Everyone says you're terrible. Your best friend leaves. What do you say? I am pardoned, read it, of all my sins and accepted as righteous in his sight, but only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to me and received by faith alone. That's who you are. You are the righteousness of Christ just through Jesus. And so on this whole aspect of purity, I just leave you with this. Read the word. Learn about who you are and be who you are and be that person. Pray. Find someone to help you. If you're struggling in an area of impurity, guys, listen, find somebody. You know, the the Bible says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Not forgiven, only Jesus forgives. But confess your sins to one another, those impure acts to one another that you might be healed. Do you know why the Bible says that? Because when someone comes to you and confesses their sins to you, you don't use that as a, as a knife to then stab him in the back later. Otherwise, the wrath of God will be on you. If someone confesses, God knows this. They need someone to say this. You're forgiven. They need a physical, even God, God forgives. God knows that we sometimes need to hear it from another human being that says you're forgiven and you're the righteousness of Christ and you're set free and you're his. And and to remind you of your identity. Do you guys get this? All right. Well, Father, we just praise you this morning. Let's just pray together this morning. Father, we do praise you this morning. And and God, I pray that this message this morning would go deep into our spirits. God, that you would help us to live our life on a mission to know who we are in you and to be that person. Because with that revelation that we are the bride of Christ, Lord, we will begin to behave like that and live in purity. And so, God, I say today that every single person in this room that has given their life to you, Jesus, is the bride of Christ. And that you are our bridegroom and you make us pure, Father. And I thank you that you're the living water that washes away every sin, removes them, and makes us as white as snow. God, I thank you that there are people today that are struggling in their lives in impurity, both men and women. And God, I pray that they would hear your voice today. They would take that sin, they would take that impurity, and they would lay it down before you. God, they would no longer compare it or justify it by comparing themselves to others, but God, they would compare themselves to you and say, God, I'm a sinner, but you died to set me free. Bring them somebody in their life to confess that sin to, that they can be accountable to, and they can remind them of who they are. God, we love you, and we thank you that we have been set free, bought by the blood. We're princes, we're princesses, we're sons and daughters of the living God. Help us to begin to embrace that and to live that life. In Jesus' name, amen.